Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with professional photo retoucher, Angie Hayes. Angie Hayes has been working as a professional photographic retoucher for over 20 years, having worked with clients such as Disney Studios, Netflix, GQ, and MTV, to name a few. Angie has collaborated with some of the top working commercial and editorial photographers working today, including Art Stryber, Dominic Desaia, Peggy Sirota, and Miller Mobley, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Angie about what drew her to photographic retouching, using Photoshop since the first edition, and I also speak to Angie about what advice she'd give to someone looking to pursue a career in photo retouching. Angie is someone who truly loves what she does and brings a wealth of knowledge and experience. So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with her. So I hope you enjoy and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Angie Hayes, uh, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to talk to you. Um, How's it going? It's been a crazy last six months for everybody in the world. I guess for you, how's life? How's work? Uh, how, How are things? Um, things are good. I feel like for the most part, we're in sort of a different situation. I mean, I know that, um, the world is in a terrible place and, and it should be all, you know, devastation and sadness. Um, and when you focus and when I focus on what's happening in the world, it is absolutely devastating. And, and, uh, it was, you know, it was one of those things where I think everyone thought it would blow over pretty quickly and that it would, you know, everyone would shelter in place. And in a couple of weeks we'd be, you know, kind of back to normal. And, and when that, um, that didn't happen, I think, you know, at first it was shocking and scary, but for me where I'm such a workaholic and I, uh, I just go, go, go. And, you know, sometimes, you know, most people they'll work 80 hours in two weeks where that's like my one week. So, um, so for me, I feel like in our little bubble, our household here with my, my husband and my son, we just kind of just enjoyed that time together and being able to stop and sort of have this forced moment where you're like, okay, what's really important? You know, I can't work right now. That's scary. If I focus on that. Yeah. That's a little terrifying and, and worrying, being, you know, worried about all my clients and just the industry and then all these people. And, you know, of course, obviously the people who are dealing with actual COVID and family members and people with small children and people who can't work. So when I focus on that, you know, it's, it was, it's a hard thing to to think about, but then we kind of just launched ourselves into family time and um, we're big nerds here too. So (laughs) I have a teenage son, he's 14. And so him, my husband and I, we actually have three playstations and three TVs. And we play PlayStation together. I was so. going to ask you that because one of my friends, who's a, he's a professional retoucher too. And I don't, I don't know if this happens a lot, but I feel like people that are like really into retouching, they probably like video games too. Because like he, he told <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, he told so me funny. he's like he's like I view retouching as like a video game in a sense, and I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I never, I never connected the two, but um, but yeah, it's just like a thing that we've always done together as like family time and it and it's so funny because we're very very calm gentle people I feel like you you know the kind of people that don't get angry and so it's funny that we're like in this you know player versus player like (laughs) killing people you know like (laughs) what what games have you guys been playing 
Um, we play a lot, but our like our family game is Destiny, All and right. so you know, there's like where you are playing. Um, against like aliens and monsters or whatever robots but then there's where you're playing against people online and so we do a lot of that and it's just so completely the opposite of like who we are you know and it's so that's it's really awesome funny. man i feel like i gotta dust i never really was big into video games growing up i feel like i gotta dust off my like uh sega or something and get my parents to play uh video games next <laughs> thanksgiving or yeah. something it seems like a fun yeah. family activity well uh, what's the funniest thing too is that these games it's all young people and so um when you do really well it, it's very competitive it's very challenging i get into that part of it and when we're doing well it's funny to think about here is this like you know these you know this couple in their 40s you know like going against these like 17 year olds that are you know <laughs> that's, that's their life is gaming so it's it is kind of an extra we feel pretty cool about ourselves you know and we do well and yeah it's a challenge no doubt and with like i guess like with the pandemic and everything was the first few months was business kind of slow for you or has it been kind of steady with projects all along or how, how's work life been for you, I guess? Um, at first I still had some things, you know, that I already had been shot. And so I was fortunate in the beginning, I didn't have that panic that a lot of people did, but then it was, it was pretty crazy to see all these jobs that had been on hold fall away, you know, because everybody was planning, you know, nobody knew this yeah. was going to happen. So there was a lot on hold and there were a lot of shoots that were, you know, scheduled and it was really, you know, exciting jobs. And then to watch that fall away, it was very scary and, mm. you know, kind of wondering what was going to happen. But for the most part, I've had enough to kind of, you know, to not be too stressed about things. You know, there was a definite lull, I think, in the middle where things kind of were, you know. Do you feel like, a, do you feel like, I feel like this sometimes, like, for me, like, if I don't shoot photos for a while, like, especially during the beginning of the pandemic, because, like, you didn't, as, like, I mostly shoot portraiture, so it was, like, this weird scenario where you can't really, you're not supposed to interact with people, social distance, so I wasn't, for a few uh, months, I really didn't shoot anything. And uh, uh, when you... Do you feel like you get rusty, like if you're if you're not retouching all the time? Because I feel like that as a photographer, like if I go like going three months, my my first shoot back, I was like, oh, this feels like took me a little while to get my get my feet settled, you know? Yeah, it seems different. Yeah, I mean, I really felt for yeah, like photographers like you, where it is all about that person to person, and mm -hmm. I'm so used to being in my dark bat cave by myself, you know. So I mean, <laughs> I'm always retouching. I'm always working. I the other thing too during the pandemic, it was an opportunity for me to kind of get into my personal projects and have some time to do things. And uh, so, but I do feel like if you do stop, there is something, um, something about that, you know, not, not so much getting rusty, but it's like you're in a zone and a groove. Yeah. yeah. So there were periods of time where, yeah, it felt a little bit weird, but then I have so many interests in so many things. You know, I love painting, drawing, photography. I do. So it's like, they all kind of influence each other and help each other out. You know, anything that I do photographically helps my retouching and vice versa. So um, yeah. I just, I don't know, again, like I was saying, I'm a workaholic. I never stop, you know, that's, <laughs> I think me and my husband, that's how we work. Like it's our dynamic. He's so very Zen and calm and I'm just go, go, go. So, um, so I feel like I haven't, I don't know if I even took a good enough break during this. Like, I think I had a couple weeks it's there, just, but that's awesome. It's just like, it's just like, I feel like that with the camera, it's just so much a part of my life. Like it's just always there. And it's like a retouching. It's just like, it's just part of your everyday life. Pretty much. It seems like it's just like, you want to get yeah. on there, work on stuff and just keep on building. Um, yeah. with, it's an with amazing your... field. It's amazing. Just in general that we're doing this, you know, that we're talking about this, that we're in a creative field. Yeah. 
it's an amazing thing. Yeah, it is exciting. And with your work, actually, I was curious, like, obviously, it looks like you work like with a ton of photographers. Do you ever work with like other artists, like on their projects? Or is it mostly kind of strictly photography stuff you're working on? Um, well, it's it's a bit of a range. I mean, mostly it's photographers. But, um, you know, I do a lot of stuff for agencies and businesses to, you know, like, um, like NBC, like networks and yep. for shows. And but it's, it's not yeah, it's mainly photography. I, I haven't done collaborations that are other like media, yep. you know, it, um, but then I do, um, you know, other creative pursuits that are similar, like for my own stuff. But as far as the business, it's all yeah. mainly photographers and, and their clients. Yeah, because it's interesting because like Photoshop is like such an interesting tool because like even like illustrators use, utilize it and all types of different artists. So it's kind of interesting like to see what other people can do with that yeah. tool, you know. Um, it's... Uh, a beautiful program i mean they keep making it weirder as i feel like i liked it maybe i don't know six incarnations ago but um but it is you can do so much i mean i do a lot of drawing um and illustration with photoshop too where most people would use illustrator but photoshop's like my best friend you know i know it so well what is it about like when you say it's gotten weirder you feel like they've kind of made it like like not as like intuitive to use the program or like, what do you mean by like weird? Are you thinking? Um, well, they keep just like everything now in today's world, like the updates, you know, yeah. constantly it's like, you know, you turn your head and it's like, Oh, there's another update. And so, um, I, you know, I, I started in the nineties, so I'm showing my age a little, but, um, you know, I started back when I remember when there wasn't layers. So, um, so I just think like over the years, more like in the recent years, I feel like since maybe um, since it went online, yep. I feel like they're trying to to market towards more people, which makes sense for them as a business. Yep. And they're putting more and more things in there to help people do things easier or quicker. And it's just getting clunkier. And I just, it's not, it's not as fast as it once was. And I feel like there's all this extra stuff that like for me and, and, you know, people who've used it for so long and for use it professionally, like, you know, these animated tools come up and show you what the brush looks like. And you're like, what the heck is it? You're trying to do get out of here, you know? And like, so, um, I feel like my Photoshop, if somebody who was using it, let's say they're new to Photoshop right now and they're using it as how it is, like when you just buy it, if they were to look at my Photoshop and the way it looks, cause I've customized the crap out of it. And I, I have all my own keys and, um, I switch everything to be more legacy mode and things that, because again, I don't, the stuff that they just keep adding these things that are not necessarily helpful to the way that I work, you know, like how like sticky tabs. I remember when that was first a thing, I remember like restarting Photoshop with that update and where like all the things would stick together instead of like the floating windows yeah. and like how, when they first did that, you didn't realize in that instant that you could change it back. I was like, what is this? You know, like, they're <laughs> all sticking together. How do I get back? Bring me back home. Yeah. Bring me back home. <laughs> yeah. And the application frame was like, Oh no. Like, so it, it's so funny to, to remember those moments because I like to, if I'm doing a series of images, I'm obsessive with matching and, and cohesive looks and continuity. And it's all about mm-hmm. the way an image, um, like a story of images work together. So I like to have them all up on my screen. And especially when they're small, you can even see things so much better, like how you can kind of bring everything together as a color family or create a treatment 
Yeah. And so, yeah, sticky tat is what is this? <laughs> yeah, that is that is a good point. Like that is like a, a real skill. Like when you're editing like large amounts of photos, you need them all to look alike. Like I worked at a Hasbro for a while, like in their in-house studio, and we do like like light retouching, but it was all e-commerce stuff, and it was like so important that you because we shoot like hundreds, thousands, thousands of images, and you had to make sure that they all looked exactly the same. So they went on the website, mm -hmm. and it was just like. Yeah, there it's is tedious. like a, it's very <laughs> tedious because like anybody anybody can make like one photo look good, but then it's like all right, you need to match that to like every other one. It's like it's a lot of like uh, yeah, oh yeah, tedious and having the eye for it. Absolutely. Well, and especially when it's something like for um for a movie like publicity, and it's a and it's a famous person. You know, mm -hmm. most of the stuff I do is celebrity, and I and I remember the first really big one where I was an actor and I remember thinking, man, like I know Matt Damon's face better than his own mother. And like, and you get to a point where you can't remove a certain thing on one and not on the other. And you've got, you know, with five images, it's not a big deal, but you've got 30. It's like, I have to be, you know, so systematic. So, you know, such a perfectionist as far as like what I'm changing on each for that perfect. You know, so, so that's interesting. Like, so like, like you said, like if you're photographing Matt Damon or something, will you like go back and look at other photos that like other people worked on as like a reference sometimes? Cause I know like a lot of times photographers, if they're going to go shoot, uh, I don't know, Tom Hanks or something, they'll go look back at like what other photographers oh, yeah. have done and things like that. Do you kind of look at reference material yourself at all? Um, sometimes I do. It depends on sort of the creative direction of that particular project. Um, and how much my own influence can come into play because for the most part, I'm pleasing a client and what they want. And then sometimes there's a, a very different avenue where they're like, do your thing, you know? And so, um, sometimes if it's more of where I'm kind of doing my own thing and they're allowing me to kind of judge how far I want to take it, I'll look at what's out in the world. Um, I'll look and see what made people happy in the past. Cause you know, when it comes to photography or retouching, we really want the subject to feel great about it. We want everyone to love what they're looking at. So yeah. um, it's important to kind of see what else is out there. And But I, it's funny though, looking at references because I'm sort of a strange retoucher. I'm the retoucher that hates retouching. Like I hate the way it looks like it, at, you know, in the world at large, I feel like everything is overdone and yeah. uh, I'm so picky with myself, with everything. And so sometimes I look at things and sometimes I don't, you know, I feel like, as I get older, as the more experience I have, I, you know, I kind of try to keep things more minimal, you know, and, and uh, really try to like create a look and make something special and enhance it, but make sure that the photography is the star and people aren't looking at that and go, oh, that's retouched. And yeah. I think nowadays it's really easy to kind of, I do that myself or sometimes I can't even look at something because it's so retouched. I'm like, ah, that's what did they do? You know, so I, I try to be kind of in a, you know, yeah, on that yeah. very like, yeah it's it's, it's been kind of yeah it's been interesting to see too like i think maybe more in the fashion world and stuff I've, I've seen some magazines in the last few years where they'll just kind of do very light retouching because they were the, the thing they were getting the blowback of like oh you're making these women or whoever's on the magazine look it, it, they don't look like real people because it's like yeah. so much retouching so it's been kind of interesting to see like they'll do like i think i've seen some covers with like no makeup and it's just like basic color mm -hmm. correction and things like that and they kind of just let the people kind of be themselves instead of this like over like liquefy tool and all this. And by, yeah. by the end of it, they kind of look like porcelain or something, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of people that feel, you know, strongly about keeping things a little more on the, you know, having things more real and, and not distracting because it can be more distracting, you know, like a, 
someone that's overdone or airbrushed or something that's more distracting than if they have wrinkles and the wrinkles are awesome. I think they look great. I think it's strange when yeah. you see there's certain types of retouching where they'll take away that, you know, under eye bag. Yep. And it's like, it looks so bizarre. Like people look like completely different. They don't look like themselves, you know? And, but what's funny to think about is you're talking about that sort of blowback, you know, where people were getting upset about things being changed too much. What is also really funny is there's that aspect of it. And then now with all the Botox and things and working on celebrities, <laughs> sometimes I've added a little bit of wrinkles with shading and things like oh, because people do so much to themselves. Yep. And I'm like, I don't want people to think I did that. You know, like I don't want <laughs> I don't want people like, what did she do to that dude? You know, like I, I mean I so it's funny because that never used to be a thing. You know, when I started it was, it was days of film and that was less of a, you know, um, it wasn't so much so much Botoxing as there yeah. is now. And, and so, and then sometimes I even get a request from clients, like, can you make him look less ridiculous? Like he <laughs> did a few procedures and it's like, well, I can do some things, but I mean, you know, I can't, yeah. can't change Just, too much. Yeah. It's like you make Mickey work, Mickey Rourke look like old Mickey Rourke or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, would be a fun project. <laughs> good luck. Uh, yeah. I guess to go back, like where'd you grow up and like, uh, how do you kind of get into this like creative space? Like were you always kind of interested in the arts or what, what was kind of life like for you growing up? Um, I grew up in Michigan. Um, I, I feel like I'm pretty much the same person I was when I was like five, you know, I always, <laughs> always wanted to be doing something in the arts and I always wanted to create. And um, I don't remember wanting to do anything else at any point. And so um I, but I was more into the the fine art part of it, drawing, painting, you know, creating something with my hands. Yeah. And um, so, you know, in high school, I feel like throughout my career, it's funny if I look back, when you're going through something, you don't really realize how major certain things are. It's only when you're like in your 40s and you're looking back. And, and when I look back at my history of sort of where I began and where I am now, there were these huge points of change and just pushing me out of my comfort zone just drastic, drastic change where I made sort of this giant step to the next level. And so I feel like that's kind of the easiest way to just to explain my path to now is kind of like those huge, you know, risk taking moments where, um, or just moments of intense change that kind of got me to where I am now. And, and so it was kind of like going into high school and having the art classes and stuff like that. I, that's where it all kind of you know, taking a first photo class and getting really interested in that. And then um, I was, you know, we didn't have the most money <laughs> at that time. And so I knew that I wanted to go to college, but I wasn't sure where I was going to end up. And thinking of colleges like RISD and like places where it's just like so, so expensive, expensive. And, you know, it's I like, oh, I, I don't understand yeah. how people at RISD like. Oh, my like, gosh. Well, just like in general. Yeah. Like art schools and the equipment that you have to buy. So, um. So in high school, I wasn't, I was in this place where like, I knew I wanted to pursue the arts in some way. And it was really my high school teacher. She got my college application for me and basically put it in my hands. And it's like, you're applying to this place, whether you can afford it or not, just do it. Yeah. So I ended up going in with a, a, a fine art portfolio and a photography portfolio. And I got scholarships for both. And so I double majored. Um, and that was, um, now it's called college for creative studies but at that time it was center for creative studies it's in detroit right by the detroit institute of arts um they're more known for because detroit um they're more known for like trans transportation design and okay um design but um but it's super expensive school but i made it in and that's kind of where i feel like 
And at that time, I knew Photoshop and I was teaching myself myself things. But that particular college at that time, this was um, 98 was when I graduated um, uh, high school. So there were no digital classes. There was no retouching. I don't think I knew the word retouching, but I was, you know, in Photoshop and, and kind of learning the tools and things like that. But what, when, once, you first, um, when you first started using Photoshop, like what were you kind of <clears throat> utilizing it for? Was it for your photography or were you kind of using it for other um, things? Or? Well, it was just, you know, the nerd in me wanting to understand this program and like what it all could do. So I was really trying to learn it. And then, you know, in high school, I, I, um, I worked part-time I helped out one of my teachers doing graphic design so I was learning that and actually getting you know work even in high school I was doing things and then um you know in the, at the college level everything was analog everything was dark room you know we did four by five film and I shot mostly six four five Mamiya and so I really got into the craft of the dark room and but at the same time I was still learning um photoshop and just just being so excited about it and like trying to figure out what I could do in the program even though the only class they had was like a kind of basic skills, like try to build a little tiny, terrible website, you know, because again, this was, it's funny to think about that. Actually, that school at that time, you know, early 2000, um, the only digital camera they had was this giant monstrosity that would take, it would take, I forget how many minutes it would take, but you could only shoot stills like that. It was so such like, it was a humongous um, was it like the was it like the Kodak one? I wish I could remember. Yeah, I wish I could remember like the model name or something. No, no, but no, no. yeah, I, I remember. I went to the uh, George Eastman house, the the like the museum, and they had like a whole exhibit of like the first oh, like, digital cameras. Awesome. And like you said, it was like this monstrosity. It was like the size of a person. Yeah, and like and you um you had to wait like fifteen minutes to see what it would do, and it couldn't do people because it took so long to capture the image. So um. So yeah, again, college was all about darkroom and that type of thing. And, um, and it's funny to think now with, you know, comparing it to retouching and what I do, I was obsessive about tonal range in the darkroom, getting my zero filter and my five filter and getting like every possible, you know, little, uh, you know, I guess shade of gray in, in within black and white photography. So, and I so was, you kind of always enjoyed like the more like the process of like manipulating the photo after the yeah. fact than actually taking the picture. It sounds like just, yeah, just the control, the whole, the whole thing. Like I love shooting. I love light. I think, um, I think anyone that starts out in photography and, and even just drawing, you know, figure drawing, I, I used to be able to draw like from life, like photorealistic images. And it's all about the light. You know, that's how you learn to, to draw with like charcoal and, and pencil is you have to understand light and shadow and how it gradates and, and how, you know, you represent a 3D object in a 2D space. So, so I think the drawing part and then the photography, um, I guess to like fast forward that story a little bit, um, so it's not so long. <laughs> um, I, uh, I did, I ended up focusing just on photography. And so I dropped my other, so I went to just a single major of photography. And then um, I kind of was still teaching myself Photoshop at the time, but it was all about creating my own images and kind of, you know, I actually wanted to be a photographer at that. What at kind that. of stuff were you shooting? What kind of photography did you enjoy back then? Um, it was all studio. It was always like creating something from nothing. Um, so like still yeah. life? Um, well, people, so it, kind of everything, but mostly it was about, you know, composition and form. I was very obsessed with line and, and light and kind of creating um, these edge lights and sort of a um, more abstract forms, you know, like um, 
more like sensual kinds of things, like a lot of, um, you know, um, just portraiture and, and more like cropped in types of things. But it was really just always about the composition and about sort of reaching for that. You'll get an idea in your head, you know, and, and for me, the studio, it was very much like painting and drawing, but then at the same time, um, street shooters and, and photo, um, photos and photographers like that. I, I was obsessed with their work and I admired it so much because it wasn't my thing. Like I couldn't just go be invisible on the street and get these amazing (laughs) shots, you know, and, um, and that the school too, we had a lot of great people come in and talk to us and it was just, if I could just live at photo school, you know, it was just amazing to be surrounded. I agree. I remember yeah, when I went to RIT and like looking back on now, like the first week I was in school, they had like Mary Ellen Mark came and spoke at the school. They had like Dan Winters. And at that point I didn't know who any of these people were. Like I wasn't looking at photography like that. So it was just such an eye opening thing. for. That's a gift right there. Yeah. yeah, School is an amazing thing. Do you feel like, it's interesting to say like you you uh were into drawing and stuff do you feel like having those skills has kind of helped your retouching because like almost like now you don't draw on paper you have I'm, I'm guessing you use a Wacom tablet or something mm-hmm. and it's it's very much like drawing and making selections is kind of is there like some similarities there you think oh it's huge I I feel like it's it's a big part of you know, the retoucher that I am today, I think, because what's well, funny how you're talking about getting rusty, like about with the pandemic. So when it comes to drawing, drawing is a skill. I mean, I could take any photo and, re- you know, draw it. Like I could take a pair of pants and draw and it look like a photorealistic, you know, pair of jeans or something. And so, but then you don't, if you don't do that, if you don't do, if you don't draw constantly with your hands, like you do lose that. But then the less I was drawing with my hands, the more I was drawing with the Wacom. And now if I want to draw something, I actually draw better on the Wacom that whereas I used to be like so good with, you know, my like a pencil. Yeah. So um, I think that drawing, I mean, and also too the influences that I had when I was into more like a fine art um, or pursuing that, you know, like MC Escher, I was obsessed, <laughs> you know, like and Salvador Dali, there's a lot of painters like So just in terms of like that starting place of just inspiration, I feel like drawing and just being so immersed in like creating light and trying to, to, you know, reproduce that on paper, you know, when it comes to retouching lighting is, it's so important when you're trying to, especially some of the stuff that I do where, you know, you might have half of a cast shot in LA and half of the cast shot in New York and you got to put them together and the, there's a person leaning on someone else and they have to create that shadow. And so I think any type of drawing, any type of photography, anything that deals with lighting and form and shape and realism, um, I would say also proportion, you know, when you're putting new heads on people and, you know, all of that stuff is, is so completely like, it's just such a great background when you're doing retouching it, it all like influences the other. It's, yeah, and it's good you have that like experience yourself of shooting because I would imagine like being that you work for all different types of photographers, you have to be able to like understand the language they're speaking. Like, or oh, I, yeah. I use this type of light or that type of light, and it's just like you, you understand it. There's like this like a shorthand of like photo- professional photographers and stuff, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think it's super valuable. I mean, and also too to be able to communicate what if somebody has an idea, a crazy idea, and they're like, how do we do this? I can help them, you know, I can talk about how to shoot it and the best way to shoot it to cut it out or to do whatever we need to do to like create that vision they have. You know, I can kind of come up with a game plan. um, Because I would think of how I would shoot it. And then 
also the fact that I still do shoot and I have a studio, it's like sometimes I have to shoot for a composite. Like sometimes I'll have to shoot like an element if it doesn't, if I don't have it. Whereas years ago, I didn't have that capability because I didn't have the space, I didn't have the equipment. You know, it's sometimes if you don't have an element, you're doing a composite and they're like, oh, we need this. And there's a shoe missing, you know, they're doing, it's like, well, we got to find a shoe. And, <laughs> you know, I've done some crazy things, you know, where I would just have to find something. Whereas now, um, you know, I've been able to do, it's kind of fun that now I can go in and actually match the light and try to shoot an element that I can put into a composite. If, if something somehow wasn't made or if there's, yeah. I can give an example of that maybe too. the, um, yeah. So I was talking to art last week and he's like, he's like, ask Angie about some of the crazy stuff. She's like from, <laughs> from scratch and like put yeah. together. <laughs> oh, art is awesome. Yeah. We had a conversation about it and it was so funny because it's like, it's not retouching. You know, a lot of the stuff that I do um, with those types of things, you, I don't even know what you call it. And like, it's like inventing things that weren't there um, or, you know, yeah, it is. It's not exactly retouching, but um, so one of the examples I could give, um, I feel like I'm, so I'm terrible at Instagram. I'm just going to say that I'm horrible at social media. I feel like I'm trying to be better recently, but it, it feels very unnatural to me. Um, I think it, people would love it though, because you have like this skill set and like people, people want to hear the behind, like look at Art's Instagram. How oh, it's, it's how yeah, you're talking about, it's legendary. And, but, but you could do like the same thing just because like you have so much knowledge in what you do. Like people eat that stuff up, you know? I just see that's what I mean. Like, I know it's, it's fun for, yeah. So what I meant was like, I'm not very good at it, but like, I'm trying to be better at it. But, um, so one of the things I did put on there was, uh, that, um, that image I did for this campaign for Kremer Johnson, where there's an IT guy with his big Fabio hair. Um, yeah. and he had a wig on. And, um, so a good example of sort of the unusual things that I've done that is not quite retouching is, He's wearing a wig, so he didn't have a scalp, right? So, like, his hair is supposed to be blowing up. So, where you would see the hair lift up, yep. you would have, like, the scalp in your hair, you know? And you would have um, where you'd see the forehead, and the wig was down over his forehead. Was it this one? Yeah, exactly. So, so where the wig was, you know, almost to his eyebrows originally, he needed a scalp. He needed that part in the middle of his hair right there. Mm -hmm. So, um. I was able to use a combination of shooting myself and then finding a plate. Um, and you actually used an actress who will rename or she'll oh, remain really? nameless, but I used a piece of her scalp <laughs> and then a piece of what I shot. And I was able to create that. So that part in the middle of his hair where you can see the skin like that. Yeah. So oh, that wow. is like, so you, normally you can't just like, you know, invent a scalp. <laughs> it's no, not no, exactly no. retouching. Like, Hey, I need a scalp here. <laughs> but um so that that's definitely a good example I feel like of just a very unusual thing that I can't imagine ever have even thinking about you know 20 years ago like oh that's retouching it's like it's more mm -hmm. just like these custom creations for whatever the concept you see, know it, needs it's kind of like sculpting like in a digital sense like you're molding mm -hmm. these things into whatever world you want whatever you're molding some mountains or someone's <laughs> scalp um <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you're looking for like when you need these like components to add to photos like obviously you said you, sometimes you'll shoot it yourself like do you, do you ever like pull like stock photography mm -hmm. or how do you kind of find the elements you need usually oh yeah yeah a really good example of that would be um 
arts, that job we did for EW with Key and Peel, which is yeah. another good one on the Instagram where we had to just, um, where Key drew on Peel's photo and Peel drew on Key's photo. And then I had to make their weird requests come to life. And a lot of that was just, just finding things. Yeah. Like, um, stock stuff. Um, some of the magazine gave me some things and then there's other things where, well, like his, um, he had drawn on peel. He wanted a black eye and the black eye I hand painted that. And I just looked at references and I created it. Right. Um, Here's one yeah, but, but other things like that water spray or he needed to have a blow. <laughs> so that I just found online. Um, I feel like I have, if, if I could be in college right now, I would say I have a minor in Googling. Like I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm very, I've done so much like trying to find high res images Yeah. <laughs> and like somehow you'll find like this strange site in Japan that happens to have this like, you know, 5,000 pixel image online somehow and I'll grab that, you know, and um, can you still search? I don't know if I, they used to have it. I, I don't know if I can find it. I keep Google, changing it. Yeah. And Google image search you used to be able to search by like size. It used uh -huh. to be easier to find, but now I don't know where the setting is. Cause I, yeah. cause sometimes you for can. myself. Yeah. You can do the size, but they changed it. It used to be so much easier. You could grab anything, but now there's all these like usage rights and, uh, and where it doesn't, um, most sites you can't actually get like the proper size, but I found like weird ways of, you know, you, like I was saying that Japan site, sometimes you can just find these. Um, and, and I've been really lucky in that way, just hunting. But I, I would love to know, I would love to quantify the amount of hours I spent looking for weird <laughs> crap, to, like put in a photo. Um, but I have amassed a huge library of stuff that I've shot, stuff that I've, um, you know, stock that I bought over the years. And, and I have a giant library of things that I can use. Yeah, like so if textures you need, and you need palm trees or whatever, you like got, that. you got a whole library of it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so like when you got out of college, like you said, like you, you said you wanted to be a photographer, um, like mm -hmm. what was kind of your first step kind of into the creative world? Like, what do you think you were going to do? I guess. Well, that goes back to the, my scary risk milestones that have happened in my life and that, um, so I did want to be a photographer. I had um, big dreams thinking that it was going to be a lot easier. We all know it's not easy. <laughs> we all know it's next to impossible. Um, so, so yeah, I was very naive. Um, but also my school, it's, it's kind of funny that the school I went to, they tell you at orientation day, they basically say, if you want to make money, get out of here. And like, if you think you're going to get a job, get over it, you know, and they, they really aggressively prepare you. Yeah. So um, the way I, um, what happened for me though, was, it was very unusual situation. Um, my senior year of college, we found out towards the end, there was this job opportunity, um, for the school where there was a company hiring from Arizona. They came to the school and it was sort of, they kind of promoted it like this contest, like, okay, there are a few spots and people who are in school right now. And then the alumni also can any alumni it's open to, to them too. So um, there were four spots. There were two alumni spots and then two current students. And there were only, there's only one photography spot and it was a job for a staff photographer and I won it. So what I, what was the company? Like what kind of stuff were they doing? Um, well, I'm probably going to say some not nice things about them so they can <laughs> rename or they can be All named. Right. <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah, so it was, well, let's just say there's a reason they were hiring all the way across the United States. Yeah. Um, which I didn't think about that at the time. So I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I got a staff photography job. This is a company that did, they had a magazine, they did a lot of merchandising, a lot of, um, they did apparel, toys. Um, so 
it was insane, you know, to, and, and I was a very shy kid. I was very much introverted to myself, you know, like just let me draw on my little corner. You know, I was not the kind of person that just picks up all of the stuff I have and moves to all the way across the country where they don't know a single person. Yeah. Um, but when you're dealing with a, a situation like, you know, wanting to be a photographer and you get offered this one spot and all these people, you know, so in a way, I think I forgot to be terrified. Um, it's, because, it's exciting. Yeah, I, I, I think I was terrified, but I also kind of forgot about it because it's like, I won the thing, you know, like, so, um, so yeah, I drove my burgundy beast out there and my Lumina it fell apart on the waves of the heat going from Michigan to Arizona, pieces falling off, you know, yeah. but I made it. And, um, and to sum up that experience, um, Oh my gosh. So yeah. Um, very cool to say that you're a staff photographer at a company, but, um, the reason they hired people from a totally different state all the way across the U S is because they had a horrible reputation and people would not stay working for them because they ran it terribly. No one wanted to work for them. It was, it was chaos, true chaos. It was absolutely insane. And I feel like I could have like a series of podcasts, basically all about that experience <laughs> called my first job from hell, you know, like, um, so I won't go too far into no, it, but, I get I, it. Yeah. but, um, but basically, I, I mean, when you are put in a situation like that, you do learn a lot because it's just madness. And, mm. you know, so many people would be leaving and they had a lot of things they were trying to accomplish as a company. And the leadership was so God awful. Um, there were times, just one small example where, you know, a normal job as a photographer, you would be shooting, let's say food for a holiday magazine. So like yeah. shooting some treats and that goes into the magazine. Well, that turned into me finding recipes, making all the food, oh, <laughs> shooting all God. the food, yeah. <laughs> making a background, yeah. doing posts on all the food, writing the entire column about the food, and then also writing horoscopes because they had this magazine, right? I had to make up horoscopes <laughs> for the, you know, like, oh, outlook great today. You'll find friendship in unexpected places. Like I had to make, that's how this place, it was just madness. Like there's, you're yeah, doing like the job of, 10 people yeah they're just taking advantage of people yeah yeah and i can laugh about it now but it was it was a truly crazy it was like like the twilight zone like it was very and for yeah. me i mean i was very young and naive and i was just kind of like whoa like talk about a shock to the system that this is how places can run so i feel like it was a really good uh, you know, eye-opening experience for me that like people cannot tell you the truth and sometimes you'll get a job and it's not at all what they said it was going to be. And it was very much like grow up and this is what's, you know, you got to yeah. figure this out. And so, um, but the hardest part honestly was the local people that had worked there for years and they had families, you know, I was 21, but they, you know, they had families and it's like to see this company and the way that everyone was treated, it was a horrible toxic yeah. environment and so but I did learn what I could learn and I moved on and yep. that um that was definitely a time too where I was again more like leaning on photoshop and, and learning and because I was just like this is crazy I don't know if I can do photography you know I don't know if this is what um if this makes sense for me and so um I was when I left there I was still kind of doing both where I was taking doing little side things, retouching and, um, and doing, you know, shooting like actors headshots and shooting little, um, local bands, like shooting their CD covers and it's a point CD covers, but, um, you know, that kind of thing, shooting for little magazine stuff. And so I was sort of doing both at that point. Once I, I decided that I had to 
get away from that place. But that's sort of the giant risk that moved me in that, um, you know, all the way across the country to this place. And I feel like it all, all happens for a reason. When you look back, it's like, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah, what you like, go through. It's, it always makes sense. It's peaks and valleys. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. Learn, you learn what you don't want to do. And then you, you just try to hopefully kind of keep on progressing, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, when you look back, it's always the craziest things that you do. And then you, and it's like, wow, well that got me there. And that got me there. And it, it always makes so much sense. It's always like, that was absolutely meant to be as, but in the moment you're like, what this is sucks. happening? I can't wait to get out of here. I'm like trying <laughs> yeah. to find who's hiring. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I wrote this like, you know, letter to the entire company when I left and, <laughs> Uh, after I left, I found out from other people that they got rid of inter-office email because of me. But I basically like wrote down like just all the lies that they said and like kind of just a love letter to all the employees there. Like, I hope you get out of here, you know, like be true to yourself. Like I, it was very dramatic. It was like, you know, like a that's, high school movie or that's something. A, that's hilarious. I'm going guys, you know? And so, it, uh, uh, yeah, no doubt. It was real. Um, when did you kind of start thinking you wanted to like focus on retouching uh, full time? And did you kind of always envision kind of working for yourself or did you kind of ever work for like any like other retouching houses or anything like that? Or, um, well, I didn't really at that point, I, um, I was still trying to make it as a photographer and, um, I wasn't really thinking about retouching as a, as a job at that point, like a full-time job because I was still learning things and I still had that dream of, you know, I want to shoot people and I want to be famous. And so, um, but I was starting to do, I ended up working for these wedding photographers and um, kind of do, taking odd jobs and things like that. Uh, and then that at time, at that time in Arizona was when I met my husband, now husband. So it was, you know, 20, well, 18 years ago. Um, and uh, I was doing set photography. So doing stills, for movies and he was doing, he was working on a movie doing um, key set PA. And so I was a still photographer and, and so I wasn't thinking about what I wanted to do exactly. I was just kind of trying to figure it out. But then here we are in this movie, we meet this, um, there's a producer, it's just the nicest guy. And he's like, you guys need to move to California. What are you doing? You know, you want to <laughs> be in photography, you want to be in film, like, what are you doing? And he let us sleep in his bed stay in his Hollywood Hills house wow. and we stayed in California for three days trying to like and it was just such a whirlwind like just crazy like we were just kind of going with it we were young and we didn't know exactly where what we wanted to do but we knew that we needed to you know listen to people and you know it's like okay that's not a great let's move to California so in three days we found a place out here Damn. And, um, and you know, people say that they packed up and moved, like we literally, like there were some things in boxes, but we were chucking stuff into a U-Haul. We were just grabbing <laughs> stuff. It was ridiculous. You know, we found someone to take over our lease. We moved out here. We didn't have jobs, which that is again, like I was talking about giant risk things. Like I am not the kind of person to do that. Like I'm not a person that does, you know, change well. Like I want everything to be perfect. You know, I want to have the safety net and like we, you know, weren't making any money. We drive out here, we, you know, we moved to Los Feliz. And then as soon as we got out here, um, I was just kind of going to labs and things, different labs. And, and I ended up getting a job at a new lab that, um, at a time when labs were kind of dying too, I got a, a job at a, a photo lab in Hollywood. Oh, and was, that it, was, it a, was it A&I? It was the people that left A&I and they started Pro One. Oh, uh, yeah, in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. So I, I got a job at Pro One um, and that was 2005. And so they didn't really do a lot of retouching. It was more like um, they were still doing C prints and they were doing black and white prints. And 
Um, they're doing large format printing on the Epson. So most of the retouching they did was like where someone would come in and want to like match their screen and get the, you know, the Epson color in a good place. So over the few years I was there, I built their retouching department up just by doing more and more stuff and getting, um, and that was again, more of like where we would retouch film. So film that was scanned, it was still kind of at the beginning and, you know, doing film and digital. And that's when I realized, that's when I got my first like job as a retoucher and I was, um, you know, just working my butt off trying to like get more people in there. And, and it was again, just a weird blend of luck and serendipity. It's like, you know, someone was just like, you need to move to LA and we did. And then I'm just asking around and they hired me like right on the spot. And like, it, yeah. it's, I feel very blessed. Like all these weird, crazy things that have happened. It's like, like almost like somebody was kind of just taking care of me and it was all working out. Like the universe is like, here you go, you know, no, do well, some yeah. hard work and you know, yeah, if you, yeah, if you work hard and you have a skill set, I think people will recognize it. And it's like, yeah, you got to take chances or else like nothing's going to mm -hmm. happen really. Yeah. Yeah. And I would never have called myself a risk taker. Like, it's so funny to think about that, but, mm -hmm. but we did do some crazy things and it always, is like moving out here was absolutely completely paid off and and then the biggest thing the biggest risk and the biggest milestone in my life i think that made me probably the retoucher that i am today is in 2005 i got pregnant and we didn't have any family out here and we were like i was not making that much money even though i was a retoucher it was you know an hourly situation they were kind of giving me as low as they possibly could because the lab business was struggling yep. um and then my husband wasn't really making much and so you know, here I am pregnant six months. I'm like, I need to make more money. I need to, you know, go up another rung on the success ladder. I got to make this happen. There's no one else is going to make this happen for me. We didn't have anyone out here to help us. And, um, you know, shout out all to the, to the mama bears, to the ladies. Cause if you have a person that you want to take care of, you know, a child, you can do anything, you know, I mean, you really, you can, it's, it's a powerful feeling. So I was going on interviews with my giant belly, you know, I was going to all the places that offered retouching the biggest places that paid the most. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I was, people would ask me if I was having twins all the time. I was huge. So here I am, you know, <laughs> doing these retouching tests, you know? Um, and, uh, and I was so confident and I was so like, this is happening. This is going to happen. I actually moved to Culver city, just assuming I was going to get the job that I want, even though I was pregnant and that'd be kind of odd for them to hire me at that point. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to two weeks after I had my son in 2006, um, I just, kept getting phone calls and all the places that I had. And it's like they calculated it, right? <laughs> like it's, so the timing was it. interesting. <laughs> timing was very interesting. They're like, okay, she's probably not pregnant anymore. Let's give her a call. So, um, and then just an amazing thing happened. I had this bidding war for all these different companies offering me different things. And then they find out that company's offering. And I'm like, well, I got this offer here. And so then I ended up getting, you know, doubling my income and um, becoming a full-time retoucher at, you know, a really amazing place. And so that I think was, and that was, you know, 2006. And so that was really um, a huge step in the right direction. So that I, was like for like a, like an independent retouching house or was that for like a company? No, it was a big company. It was Digital Fusion. Oh, Digital Fusion. Okay. Yeah. Back in uh, 2006. And that's when, you know, I was able to meet art and like get more immersed in like, um, in which I, at Pro One, I met a lot of amazing photographers too, but I feel like you know, once I was at Digital Fusion, then it was more of like, just, you know, the employees too, there were just amazing and just the community and just all the people that, you know, came in there. And, and I was just working so much, you know, we're doing a lot of great work. And, 
And w- when do you kind of decide you wanted to start your own company, which you have now, the Happy Pixel Project? Really positive name. I like it. Uh, oh, you like it? Thanks. Like, that was so hard. I had like a giant notebook full of names. And then I was, I think I was doing crunches in my bedroom and that name popped in my head. And I was like, yes, like that. It just felt right. But yeah. although afterwards, I'm like, when you're writing emails and you got to put your address, I'm like, why did I pick the longest name in the world? But, um, so yeah, I didn't, I never wanted to work for myself. To be honest, I never thought I would have my own company. That wasn't something I thought about. I was very into the work and very into the relationships and doing a good job. I would have worked for them for the rest of my life. Um, it was just more, um, again, life kind of pushing you in a different direction. And, and that place, it, um, you know, things got very unhealthy in the environment and there was a recession, you know, going on and, and they started to lose work and, um, people were getting laid off and, and it was just a very hard place to be. You know, I'm a very empathetic person and I was super busy, but at the same time I had this big couch behind me in my office there and employees would just cycle in throughout the day and just, just all day long. It was just how upset everybody was, how nobody um, heard, um, you know, and just, and it was just really kind of sunk in and, and it was just a, a really unhealthy place to be. I ended up 2009, the catalyst was I ended up in the hospital with pericarditis and, um, and that's fluid around your heart. I had two and a half inches of fluid around my heart. And here I'm like a young person, you know, healthy. And, um, so I ended up finding out it was the only thing that they could say that had caused it was all the stress. So, um, yeah. So what do I do in the middle of a recession? I decided to start my own company and go into debt. So let's add some more stuff. So anyway, hey, um, I'm, I'm starting, you're a risk yeah. taker. You're a risk taker, Angie. You're, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. How am I a risk taker? How did this happen? But so, yeah. So, so again, I didn't want to start my own business. That wasn't, I was a very good worker bee. I feel like I'm a very good worker. I'm, I'm not, I've never been a person to be at a job and like be on Facebook or do something. Like I work my butt off. And so, yeah. Um, it was, I was more forced to kind of want to do my own thing just because the environment was so unhealthy. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to figure things out. And, um, they, you know, they weren't really listening to the employees, um, you know, no judgment, but they really, they weren't, um, doing the things they needed to do to, to, to be, um, successful in their own way. So I'm like, well, I just need to go. And, um, and yeah, again, risk taking. So it was a crazy time. Um, because, you know, again, the recession, nobody would give you money if you wanted to start a business. Nobody, there was no one handing you money. So, um, so what we did was we just got a bunch of credit cards and we maxed them out. <laughs> so we already had the debt from our student loans and things like that, my husband and I, and then we added 40 grand on that. So basically 70 grand in debt. <laughs> I decided what, to just- What is that? Just kind of buying like all the computers and all the stuff you need just to kind of start your retouching? Yes. Yeah. Well, and also um, even more so than that, that maybe people wouldn't think about is when you're going to start your own business, you need a place for people to go. You can't be in a 700 square foot apartment. So we had to figure out, okay, we have to change our living space and we can't really afford to, but we have to, if we're going to make this work, people have to be able to come by and drop prints off or come, you know, check out things or, you know, just be able to come over and it look professional and it'd be like where you can spread your arms out and not hit each other. You know, you got to have, yeah, so, yeah, that's what Art told me. He said back in the day, like, um, you used to kind of do a point appointment, uh, appointment, uh, projects like a, you, mm-hmm. a photographer would make an appointment. They'd come and kind of work side just by side, in, with, yeah. which mm-hmm. I was interested to hear that. Cause I would think that, that used be to be of, really popular back way back, especially pro one. That was really big. Did you yeah. like that though? Cause I feel like it's almost like someone <laughs> over your shoulder. Like you almost can't even get anything done. Like, <laughs> was that kind of well, different? 
<laughs> well, you know, what's funny too, is like the times and, and how, you know, how photography that the business has evolved and it keeps evolving back when it was film, we had a lot more time for turnaround. So that was more feasible. And it was, there was something really great and fun about do you it. Hold, do you hold on one sec? Whoops, sorry. There's oh, no problem. Little noises no out there. Um, okay. What were you saying? Um, Oh yeah, so I was saying um, sit-in appointments. So it was more common um, back in the days of film and in the beginning where um, you know you would have months sometimes to turn around a project, and um, and it was really great to like sit with someone and kind of you know show them what I did and like kind of really dial in like oh let's try this let's try this other color treatment, and um, you know there was something really cool about that. But then um, nowadays it's like there's no time like the deadlines that are I mean it's. Next it's morning, really they crazy. Want ne next morning. <laughs> yeah, basically, you have a few hours as opposed to a few months. Where I mean, and it's of course gotten to that point gradually, but um, but then also too, there's another part of the sit-in appointments that it, it wasn't quite the most efficient way. Is that if you were doing something very intricate, um, having someone over your shoulder, you really wouldn't be as fast because you're like having a conversation. It's more of a social thing. Yeah. Um. So there was like really good and really bad because like yeah, because like making selections. Like I was doing it last night. Like when you're trying to. <laughs> like intricate ones it's like you really got to focus in and it takes time sometimes oh yeah it's meditation i love it i can do that all day yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean so yeah there were really good things and then not so good things but um but it was it, that was a time when that was still more of a common thing so yeah i ended up getting a house renting a house that was really nice and mm -hmm. um that way people could come for those appointments and so that was a big part of the debt of the business was like yeah. You know, you have to get all the equipment, you got to get your, you know, a website, you got to get a CPA, a you got to like actually become a business, you know, incorporate. And um, so it was insane. I mean, there was a very scary period where, you know, you had all this debt. And then um, right off the bat, I was working though, because it happened to be that time where people could find you with the internet. So it's like I, you know, people were able to find you really quickly and I was working right away. But one of the things I didn't consider, right, is, okay, all this debt and I'm working, right? Yep. But the fact that I'd always worked for other people, it didn't occur to me that when you do a job for a magazine and you're done, you send it off, they don't pay you the next day. No. <laughs> you know? They don't pay you the next day. And so when you just went into all that debt, yeah. you know, and you're working your butt off, I was barely sleeping the first few months. Oh my gosh, I, it was crazy. And this was 2010 when I started the Happy Pixel Project. Um, so yeah, so I was working like crazy, but then to have that moment where you're like, you just feel ridiculous because you're so focused on the work. Yep. and starting to work but you don't realize well it could be 30 days it could be 60 days some places don't sometimes pay 90 90, days. and then you got those mm -hmm. clients you got to chase down it's like uh -huh. that's like yeah. a lot of it's a lot of it's like a whole job in itself just like the yeah. accounting and like uh what oh yeah oh and don't even talk about tech support that's the other thing the other thing if you're gonna everyone out there if you're gonna start your own business yeah. it's so funny going from working at places and then you go to your you know and you start your own thing it's like if computer, you know, hard drive fries, something happens, like mm -hmm. printer's not working, the internet is acting, it's like, you got to figure that out. That's on you. You know, there's no, you have a job due in two hours. You got to make it happen. Like, yeah. there's no one running in. Like, it I got just, you. you know? It just happened to me the other day. Like, I needed to send this contract for this shoot next week and my scanner broke. So they needed it oh. that day and I had to like, figure <laughs> something out. So it's just like, yeah. they, they putting out fires on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously another big that. part is you got to find customers. So mm-hmm. who are, once you started your own business, like who are kind of some of the first photographers you were working with and how do you kind of, kind of start building, getting your name out there, I guess. Um, well, I, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate. I've never advertised and I've mm-hmm. never done anything like that. Um, just because, um, again, I just, I feel so grateful and so lucky. I, I just had relationships where they found me or they, it was all word of mouth. So people started to learn, you know, and, and what's crazy too, is I would have people find me years after I started and they would be like, Oh yeah, that company, they told me you moved to a different state and that you didn't do retouching. Anymore. Oh wow. Cool. So I also had that working against me. They were wow. telling people to kind of keep their business, you know, Damn, that's rough. they were, they were making things up. So I'm, again, I'm just, I can't complain. I'm very, very lucky that I have really good relationships with people and I feel like I love what I do. And then I meet someone who loves what they do and it's a beautiful thing and they tell their friends and they, you know, so I've never had to, yeah, to put the it's word just, out. It's, it's just yeah. your work and reputation and you, the longer you do it, it just keeps on building. Um, and looking at your work, I know for, it seems for years you've been working with Art Stryber. Um, how do you kind of first meet him and start working with him and how's that kind of relationship been over the years working together? Yeah, he he is awesome. He he has such an amazing energy and he really loves what he does and he's just he's the best. And I we started working together at, at Digital Fusion and he was working with a different retoucher, but then more and more he would work with me and we kind of formed a relationship and started to work really well together and communicate really well and, and collaborate. And so um that was yeah, back in two thousand seven ish. For a while. Um yeah, so um, working with him is awesome. I mean, he's just, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can look at his Instagram and see he's just the man knows his craft. So yep. it makes, it makes working on things like composite builds and, and difficult comps, you know, that he did the work, you know, in the beginning. And so it's going to make my job easier. And so I've, I've been very lucky. We've done some crazy stuff over the years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, is kind of when you first start working with someone like the first time, um, does, do you feel like it kind of takes a while to kind of build that relationship and kind of, cause like every artist has mm-hmm. their own vision, each photographer, you have like, you're an artist yourself. So you have your vision, how you want it to look. Does it kind of take a while to kind of build that relationship and kind of figure out what people want to accomplish, I guess? Um, I, yeah, I think it does. I think there, well, there's two different ways to, there's, you know, the people who, like I was saying earlier, where they just want you to do your thing and, and then there's the people who have, um, you know, very clear vision of what they want. And so really it's all about communication. And so if it is a new client, um, sometimes it takes a little bit, but if you have good communication and you can really discuss like, okay, how do you see this looking? Like what references do you have? Like, you know, what were you thinking when you started out? Like what, you know, what kind of color are you thinking? What sort of mood? And like the more communication that you have as far as what they see and what you can do, you know, to make that happen, then it kind of works a lot quicker that sort of like trust happens more when you understand like where you're going, you know, yeah. like with the images. And, and so, um, I mean, there's so many people I've worked with forever where, you know, we're so comfortable and I completely understand what they like. Um, but then a new person, it can happen really quick too, based on sort of just, you know, kind of our, like how that dynamic forms and kind of, you know, that just a mutual, I guess, love for like making good work. And, and so it can, it can happen pretty quickly, but um, it's really about communication. I've definitely had negative things where it's like, or the only negative things I can think of is when people can't use their words properly or they, they can't yeah. quite communicate what they want. And they'll be like, you know, we want a very high contrast 
treatment and then they'll send me something like like this where there's no white point and there's no black and it's the opposite of contrast that's the only time you ever have a problem is when people are asking for the opposite of what they're telling you they want <laughs> So that's it. really communication is the only yeah, uh, yeah the only real issue for sure because like a lot of the stuff you're doing like you're doing these like really intricate composites I know like Art sent me a bunch of the stuff you guys have worked on like when you're working on these like intricate intricate composites are a lot of the times are you having conversations with the photographers before the shoot even happens and like what are you kind of looking to 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 know from them on their end so that the finished product is like uh what it needs to be I guess yeah sometimes we do talk ahead of the shoot um if there especially if it's something where um it's a scenario where things are going to be cut out a lot or moved into a different environment um it's really good to talk about that because if you're shooting something that's going to go into a darker background or a light background there are certain things that you would want to do and a lot of times people have hair light like a great edge light and so if you shoot a person on white, you're not going to be able to separate that to put them into that other environment. So I always tell people, you know, shoot on gray. Okay. If you're going to have a hair light or have an edge light, something that separates them from the background, because then you, when you cut out the hair and you move them into that new environment, you have that perfect edge and that's going to be a lot more realistic. You're not losing that edge of your lighting. Oh, you know, that the, hair light against white. Shot, oh, because they shot on white. It just kind of all blends together. Yeah, well. exactly. And shooting on white, people think that that's easy to cut out. And so that's a good way to composite. But I always tell people no, because you also have the bounce of the white. So if you have a shoulder, you have a light colored shirt, and you're, you have that blast of light, and you put them on a dark background, it's going to look bad. You have to build a new edge, basically, that's not blown out from that hot. Yeah. Edge. So yeah, so talking about things like that, or especially if it's a, a, a certain type of effect, you know, like there's times where people, yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm sure you've seen a lot of shoots where like people will be floating, you know, like they'll be hanging on something, but they weren't really floating. They were sitting yeah. on a chair. So it's like, we'll talk about how can we get this person's butt <laughs> so that it's their butt and they're not like <laughs> flat on a chair because you need the butt, right? So yeah, um, so yeah those things, you really got to talk that out. And there's, there's always a way to do it or for the most part, unless something is crazy, but yeah. usually there's a way to do it. And, and talking about it ahead of time is great, but sometimes there isn't time for that. And then, you know, or if it's a client I haven't worked with before, they just give you what they have. And that's when you pull up your library of images and ask like, <laughs> you my own butt. And like, you know, <laughs> do whatever you yeah. gotta do. Uh, you gotta, you gotta no, make it's, it happen. It's, that's, it's, well, that's the fun part. Just like a photographer, like when you're going in and you're shooting a certain thing, it's, there's so much problem solving. And, but with photography, you have the main, the main difference that I see where I've done both is photography. You're going to a location. You have, let's say you're shooting a person in a space. Mm -hmm. You have this finite amount of time where you're going to have to leave. They're going to have to leave. <laughs> right. So it ends with retouching. Yeah. There is not that end. It's like you, people will ask you, push, you know, push more, do this, try this. So it's, it's very different. I feel like yeah. As a retoucher, our main job is basically to give our photographers time. Mm -hmm. We're giving you the time you didn't have to make that wall red. We're giving you the extra time you didn't have to like put this person in here like to, you know, they had an issue with their wardrobe. So you're like fixing it later because they couldn't fix it at that yeah. moment. Like we're yeah, creating time. Basically. Yeah, especially with like editorial, like a lot of times like you can plan what the shoot's going to be all you want. And then some days you show up to the shoot and they're like, oh, actually, we're going to shoot in a different location because mm -hmm. something's going on in that room or this guy doesn't like that. And then you're just kind of like 
picking up pieces and <laughs> yeah. trying to make it work at the end of the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> or they don't want to wear the wardrobe. They refuse to wear it or like, well, what I always find amazing with photographers, I give you guys so much respect because the, what is so crazy to me and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse is the time that you have with these subjects. Yep. It's so minimal. It's crazy. It's so you have like a couple minutes to do like two setups. That to me is like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, really as retouchers, we, we're just trying to give you some time. We're trying to, you know, add to the shoot and put in the things that, you know, couldn't really happen in that actual moment. Yeah. Here. So I pulled up some images. You, uh, Art sent me some stuff you guys worked on over the years. So I thought we pulled up, oh. we could, we could <laughs> talk about a couple of them. Um, oh this, yeah. This one was cool because I believe it was a composite composite. Maybe you could talk a little bit about kind of putting this image together and maybe kind of, were there kind of any challenges to working on this? Um, well, we definitely did a lot with the light to make it, um, because that they were shot in a white studio, if I remember correctly. This was a while ago. He <laughs> tested my memory here. <laughs> um, okay, I can bring up a reason. More no, no, no. I remember. I remember. I don't remember much of my childhood, but I remember all the photos I work on. That's just, I, yeah. I, I lose all of the my personal stuff, but I do remember this. So yeah, yeah it was shot on white in a studio and so the main challenge here was light and shadow and you know having this this very bright sunlight feel like we had to get the cast shadows correct and and then also the motion um i do remember very distinctly that miss piggy's hair she you know they weren't moving in the studio so and for, and for anybody anybody listening you can log on to the youtube and you can watch the video you can see we're talking about a photo of the muppets i believe was what for editorial piece i don't know what magazine but yeah i'm trying to remember because we had a couple different muppet jobs yeah. um but yeah so miss piggy's hair that is all hand drawn to make it oh wow blowing in the wind yeah so yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And was some of this so obviously the the golf carts here. This is all in studio. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a plate of the background. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, and they get placed in there. Uh, well, that's one question I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a one way you like to approach like selections or a favorite tool? Because there's a million ways you can do it. You can mm-hmm. do like the lasso, quick selection mm-hmm. tool, masking. Like, how do you kind of approach selections, and does it kind of change from project to project? Um, yeah, it it really changes. So there are so many different ways to do things, but mm-hmm. um, the way that I choose to select stuff is completely based on the properties of the image because it's all about something next to like what's next to what. So like if you had a person that was, you know, on a white background with a beige sweater um, and it was practically white, you know, you would cut that out a certain way. If someone's on, you know, wearing black, it's a lot easier to quickly select that, you know, and modify the selection. And so really I use all the tools. It's just a a matter of like what, um, what's in the image, you know, if it's hair, like very intricate hair, I use channels a lot. I'm very old school. Like I, I'm completely self-taught. And so a lot of people that do stuff now, you know, they try to do the faster methods. And, Mm -hmm. and if this podcast, if anyone takes anything away from, from me and from this, if they want to learn retouching, I would say the thing that I'd say the most is that if it's fast and easy, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, (laughs) So, you know, there are ways to do things that take longer that are always the better solution. And so, yeah, I use a lot of channels. um, But one tip I could give um, 
that I think a lot of people don't think about because it's a bit weird <laughs> is like, if we go back to my example of like the person in the beige sweater against, um, or let's say a white sweater against a beige background. Yeah. Um, what you can do is modify your image on a separate layer before you make your mask. Okay. So if you go into a hue sat layer and you crank, you make the, the red and yellow channels super dark, yep. you're going to be able to select that white sweater against the gray or the beige so much easier because it's no longer beige. You're darkening it. So you can also modify your image on a separate layer um, before you make that selection. You make it easier on yourself to separate the elements out, depending wow. on what you're trying to cut out. So yeah, this is like yeah. a little weird tip, but it, it's no, weird. People don't think about it, but I, I mean, yeah, hey, you yeah. got to use all the tools you have, baby. You got to like yeah. get in there. You know? <laughs> I've always, used, <laughs> I've always, I've never been like good at Photoshop this because I don't. I mean, I, I I got my methods, whatever I do. It's pretty light retouching for my stuff, but I always just retouching for me i remember being in school and taking the classes and i would get so confused because it felt like such a it felt like putting a puzzle together because it'd be like oh you can't put this layer on top of this layer because then it doesn't work and it works like <laughs> this destructive uh -huh. um do you kind of view it almost as like putting a puzzle together when you're working on these projects kind of yeah i do i and and you know i have tested hundreds of people i've worked with so many retouchers and i've tested so many retouchers and i had the opportunity to see people's layers and how everybody works so differently. And I work completely non-destructively. Like there is definitely a way that you can work where you can always go back. And mm -hmm. where I work for clients, you know, it's all about them. It's all about what they need. So I have to make sure that I can always go back to the yep. beginning. So I have to work a very specific way, but um, you know, and, and so that's just experience and time, like learning how, to do things a certain way where you can go back and where, um, you know, you're doing the best possible methods for what you're trying to you for your end result. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And this photo we're looking at here, it's a star Wars, uh, stormship troopers photo where it's like, uh, there must be like a hundred of them there. Uh, <laughs> what was kind of your approach to working on this? Cause I believe there was only, I think they fought, photographed like 12 or 17 yeah <laughs> so it wasn't as many as they're in this picture what was kind of your method of kind of putting this together was oh yeah this is really something <laughs> well um yeah the well the difficult the challenge here was because they were the same um mm -hmm. you know group that when you put them in a different location and you adjust their size you um you also to the shadows have to be changed so a lot of these shadows were recreated to oh, make so sense. like these so like these mm -hmm. shadows where it's like yeah. a guy standing in front of them, you had to like create these yes yeah wow. so not very many of those are real um but the, but some of them are and the real ones influenced how to create the other ones wow yeah, this this seemed like a pretty intricate one. Just because <laughs> it's the same thing, but yeah, like you said, it's like you got to make it all look like kind of uniform, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's and so fun though. It's again, it's the problem solving part of it. That's that to me, it's like that's what I get excited about. Is like how can we do this? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I put out a couple of questions to my fellow photographers. Who's like I'm I'm interviewing oh, a, really, that's cool. a, a really talented uh, photographer. <laughs> And my one friend, he, I don't know, he told me, I didn't even know what this was. He, he's like, ask her, what the heck is frequency separation? And oh. do, do you even utilize it? No, I no, I will not talk about it. I see again, <laughs> like as I was saying um, about methods and, you know, again, I, I started in, in the nineties. So um, yeah. I'm all about keeping texture and, and doing things a very specific way with cloning. And a lot of it is with light mm -hmm. and frequency separation, you know, that's where you're separating kind of the texture and you're doing stuff underneath it. And like, 
I have had so many people that I've tested who want to work for me and they send me that garbage and I'm like, no, you know, it's just, yeah, I won't do it. Like, it just seemed like, yeah, like you say, it's just like a shortcut. It's just kind of like, anything that's a shortcut. Yeah. I mean, but it it can be useful, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, it really, it's, it's about your personal aesthetic too. I mean, we're all, um, you know, we can't get away from ourselves. We're all, we all have our eye specific eye and what we like and what we are trying to accomplish. And when I see those certain things, um, you know, and I, I'll try them out and like, I, it's just not, to me, it's not the best method. Like I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to, um, a lot of what I do is, is using light, um, to, to, to manipulate and to keep texture. Um, and it's very much going back to those darkroom days with my tiny weirdo dodge and burn tools. Like that's just what that's, you know, I do that, but within Photoshop and, um, but yeah, you should see the tests that I get when I, when people want to work for me and like, it's, you know, just be like a blurry mess and then they'll sharpen it on top. And it's very, it's also, you can't, um, go back in the same way, you know, to yeah. all these like pixel based layers. Um, the way I work, I only have pixel based layers, just one and everything else is adjustment layers and, and things that I can always go back or, you know, using smart objects to go back to the original. Um, I don't, yeah. And so most of the stuff I get, you've got that crazy blur, then resharpen, and then they're cloning on top of that. And then it's, like it's tons of stuff. I can't, I can't, I look at that and it's like, I, Oh, I can't. Cause like, like if someone, if someone, what advice would you kind of give someone if they wanted to become a retoucher now? Like what are like some, what are like maybe a couple of basic skill sets they should kind of this work on you think like if they want to start out, I suppose. Um, well, you know, it's, it's a difficult question. I get that question a lot. And it's a difficult one for me to answer because of my 20 year history with Photoshop. I feel like I taught myself, you know, um, back in the days of film, and I was able to grow with cameras, you know, like where now my methods are a little different, because, you know, now you can basically see in people's pores. And, and so I grew up with that, you know, I had that 20 year experience and I don't even know what type of tools are out there because when I was learning, there was no, I couldn't even afford the internet. So it's like, (laughs) you know, there was no like learning from videos and, but now, um, so if I was to put myself in their shoes, I would say, just look at all the things that you can, as far as like the tools and the fundamentals of, of the program and what you can use. Um, and, but the most important thing, no matter what you're looking for, like what you're learning, whether it's like from a book or from a tutorial, I think is to do, to do, to do, just keep doing things, making projects for yourself. Every time you work on an image, you learn something. Every single, every people who've been doing it like me for 20 years, like every time you do something, you're getting better. You're learning. You're always pushing and pushing and to, and to also be true to it really honest with yourself that whether you love it or not, because again, I've worked with so many people and I can say that you can teach people certain skills and technique, like the technical part of it. But if you don't really enjoy it, like there's a better place to be for you because you really have to love it in order to, to get as good as you need to get to like be successful at it, you know, because it's, you really do have to be the kind of person that can sit for a ridiculous amount of hours yeah. and, and because some people can't do that. No, that's how and, I am. Like I got yeah. mad respect for retouchers. Like my friend, Dan, he's like one of my, like my, I went to college with them and I still call him all, all the time. Like, dude, how do I do this? And like, what do I do wrong? <laughs> like, I don't, this way I'm just like, I can't sit there for like that many hours. And it, yeah. I've sat with photographers where like, they literally have to get out of the room. They're like, oh, give me a magazine. Like, they're just like, they can't. And, and it's just been like an hour or two and they can't 
I just get lost. I just get lost with all the tools and like the this the layering. Like I remember trying to focus in the Photoshop class in college, and I really wanted to learn it, but I just got I just felt so lost because it was just like this the organizational stuff. So it's just like yeah, I think it's just like yeah, you gotta love it and. There's a certain like skill set people. Maybe it's just how. Well, and it's great that you're honest with yourself and you see that because that's, you know what I mean? You you need to be, you want to be like in the studio with people connecting and that's yeah. like, you have things that are, that feel right to you. And like, so I think for people who are, who want to, you know, pursue a career in retouching, I think they have to really kind of make sure that that's something that, that feels like the right fit for them. And then what they would do is, yeah, like create projects for yourself, like, once you learn the tools, if you just keep using them, using them, all you can do is get better and you build that experience. And yeah. like what I would do, um, I was actually talking about this recently with someone, um, what I would do is create these, I would take photos of myself and create these insane retouching projects and try to do it. And what I was talking to them about was, was showing it, you know, this, so this would be like <laughs> well, 2002, like, if I, if I showed you right now, we would laugh for like an hour. It's so bad. So like in 2002, I had this idea to like, where I took a photograph of myself and I was holding gumballs and I turned myself into an alien holding planets. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, we were talking about that. What if I did that now and then showed the 2003 version and the, you know, the 2020 version, but oh my gosh, if I have to look at that, it's so bad. But you were just kind of what, just doing it. But you're learning. Kind of, yeah, just practice. Yeah. And then, yeah, because you like doing That's what it. I, that's exactly how I taught myself is I would do those things. I would be like, okay, I'm going to see what I can do here. And that was just when I was, you know, I didn't really know that much. Again, I had no instruction. I had no classes. And, but that's the thing is like, if you have an idea and you basically use all the tools that you know how to use and mm -hmm. you just keep going at it. And that was back then when there were no YouTube videos, no. you know, and now if you had an idea and you actually watch these YouTube videos and you learn the tools, like you can learn so much just on your own. And well, in today's world in general, you can learn yeah. so much on your own with what's out there. And, yep. and I can't even imagine like if, if I could have my 2003 self now, like, the, I, oh my gosh, you probably wouldn't see me for a week. I'd be lost in videos, you know, like um, on YouTube. <laughs> there's just, there's so, yeah. And see, and I don't look at really at that now, but so once you get the tools down and if you have ideas, yeah, the sky's the limit. I mean, you just keep pushing and, and if you love it and you enjoy it, like you're gonna, you're gonna get better and better. And, and yeah, you know. that's good advice. And I guess to wrap up Angie, like you've been doing this for a while, like what kind of keeps you excited and kind of any goals for your work moving forward, anything you're hoping to work on or anything like that? Um, hmm. I don't, you know, I don't have, I guess my goal with the business is I, I used to work so many hours and I used to stress out so much because it's all deadlines and mm -hmm. you know how it is when you're dealing with tons of deadlines, you can like literally lose sight of just being a human being that like yeah. gets up and goes to the bathroom and eats every now and again, like you could just completely lose yourself and work. And so I feel like my only real business goals are to keep doing what I love, but try to have a little bit more of a healthy, which also this pandemic has helped me realize like, you know, that there is a really beautiful thing about having some free time, but then also being able to throw yourself into work. And so the goal with the business is just to keep doing, you know, great work and keep pushing myself, keep growing as an artist, but then try to have a little bit more of that health um, aspect in there and not, not push too hard. But, um, but I, you know, a lot of the projects I've been doing um, lately and just, you know, I don't know, again, it's all about just, just pushing really. Like I want to always want to get better. I've been doing a lot of my own shooting and photography. So I'm, kind of wanting to do that as a personal artistic goal is I have a, a series where I'm combining um, a lot of my older fine art stuff 
and shooting. And, and it's an interesting thing because my job is retouching, mm -hmm. but this project is where everything's in camera and no retouching. And it's this okay. funny, like full circle thing where I started out as a fine artist and then I became a photographer and then I became a full-time retoucher for my, most of my life. And then now I'm looking into this photography project and I have one done, but there's, they take so long. But, um, and so it's just funny because now this project is about kind of no retouching and like doing everything, you know, by hand and, you know, creating these little worlds. It's, it's all still life based. And oh, so you're like built, you're building, you're building stuff. I'm creating stuff. Yeah. It's so I'm making graphic design. I'm doing illustration, photography, painting backgrounds. Like it is basically everything I love and this crazy, like ridiculous little tiny tedious world but all by my hand so kind of like what I do in Photoshop but I'm trying to capture that as an as an image with no Photoshop so I'm kind of yeah that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about right now and I'm, I'm super excited about it like I don't want to talk too much about it I didn't right. finish um they take so long because because <laughs> again I'm making things like I'm making it's all vintage stuff so I'm like getting a lot of these great props it's all like 50s stuff and then I'm like making stuff that goes in with it and like it's a lot of creation it's super fun I can't think of anything in a simple way I have books of ideas but whenever I go to do something or I create it it's never easy it's always the most complicated <laughs> it's like can you just like take a picture of something like it's always it's always so that's just how my brain works and so I'm that's, super excited about that and I feel like that. it that's it influences really my work too like my retouching do you think you'll end up like when you finish that you think you'll post it on your website or anything or do something with it um yeah i have one that's done and i hope and i feel like it's such a series thing um it's yeah. very much um it's again it's combining all my favorite things it's miniature things and it's you know it it's graphics so it's it's very um very time consuming and once i have a couple i think i'll post them i think um all right. Again, Instagram is so unnatural. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna start commenting all your posts. <laughs> Quit. Keep posting. Oh. Keep posting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and I and like you know we were talking about Art's Instagram, and there's so many great Instagram like feeds that I see, and I, I admire them so much, and they're so amazing. But for me, I don't know if I was born in the wrong century or what, but I feel it feels strange to me. Like I'm very private, so it feels weird to be like, look at this. Nah, you're right. You know, nah, it is definitely weird. I mean, it, just, it feels odd to me, but I'm I trying just, to get over it. I just utilize, I don't put anything personal on my Instagram. It's all just stuff I'm like working on. There's no, sure. yeah, I don't know, but everyone does it differently, but I agree. It is weird. Um, I just, I got to get over it though. Cause it's a great thing. I mean, I love looking at stuff. So like, yeah. it's just funny. It's just the posting. I have such weird anxiety about it, but I love, <laughs> I love it as a medium. I love how sweet everybody is. You know, this community that we're in, it's, Oh, it's the best. It's just amazing. It really I've is. So many people from like photo from this and Instagram. Like one of the photographers I met on Instagram helped me get a job this week. I've never met him in oh, person. Oh, yes. And it's just like, yeah. So it is, it is it's good and bad, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. an interesting tool. Um, no, I mean, we get to do this for a living. We're here talking about photos. We get to work on photos. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. It yeah. absolutely is. Well, Angie, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Big fan of everything you do. Um, for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, your website, Instagram, where's the best place for them to go? Um, well, we talked about my Instagram. I'm trying to be better at Instagram. That is Angie Marie Hayes. So you can check that out if I, especially if I'm, if I continue to be good at it and post things. And then my <laughs> website, of course, is a little out of date, but um, that's a good place to go to, especially, you know, 
to, if you want to contact me, there's a contact tab, but that's the happy pixel project. Perfect. Perfect. Andy, yeah. I'll link it and people go check it out. And thanks so much. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Have yeah. a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Happy <laughs> Labor Day weekend. So there you have it. That was the Angie Hayes interview. Uh, just want to thank Angie so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, have a lot of respect for the work she does, uh, being a photographic retoucher. Uh, some I've always been terrible at, and this I'm not the best retoucher. So it's just like really interesting to hear the kind of the mindset of like what someone who does that type of work, how, how they kind of how they got into it, and their mindset and how they approach it. Uh, so I can't thank her enough. I know I learned a lot. Uh, definitely go check out Angie's website. Uh, her company is called The Happy Pixel Project. Um, her website is thehappypixelproject.com. Uh, she's got lots of her cool work up there and different projects she's worked on over the years with all those amazing photographers I mentioned, like Art Stryber and Peggy Sirota. Um, so definitely go check out her website. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, as well as our YouTube channel, The Photo Banter. Uh, definitely go check out our YouTube channel and just kind of subscribe, like it, all that stuff. Um, so as always, thanks so much and take care.